This is episode 515 of the AWS podcast, released on April 13th, 2022. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lashia here with you, and this is a very special series called Right Now at AWS. Hosted by Fadi Doptus, it's a special series focusing on enterprises across industries. We hope you enjoy it. This is Right Now at AWS, the podcast series that services patterns, best practices, and successful solutions across every imaginable industry. I'm your host, Katie Daftis. Fintechs are enabling seamless payments and are increasingly providing more options, like buy now, pay later. Emerging technology is driving these new capabilities that are giving consumers flexibility, ease, and proven security. So what's possible now and what's next? Joining me today to talk about new use cases in fintech is Sakai Indamanga, Principal Fintech Business Development Manager. Sakai, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Sakai, I think it's an interesting time, uh, given that how fast things are changing in payments currently, because in places like the U.S., this evolution felt slow coming. What's behind digital transformation in payments and where did it start? Yeah, and that's a great question. I think, you know, digital transformation has obviously been honestly happening for the last 10 years, 10 to 15 years, um, throughout, uh, you know, driven primarily through necessity and consumer demands. As you mentioned, obviously, in your question that the U.S. is obviously now kind of, you know, getting getting to, into play with the evolution of it. And that's obviously, you know, due to COVID, to be completely frank and, and honest around why it's been accelerating. But it's really around necessity and consumer needs. You know, consumers are obviously, you know, no what they want. They are looking to have fast and frictionless and seamless payments, given the fact that technology is emerging so quickly. You know, we're seeing things kind of evolve from a regulatory perspective with open finance and open banking, um, providing different APIs, you know, leading a lot of visibility in terms of payments, but just in the financial services ecosystem. So a lot of that is coming from the consumers. They're really driving where we're seeing payments and a lot of evolution. In regards to the U.S., COVID pretty much accelerated a lot of the digitization of payments that was starting or that was, you know, being talked about for a very long time. I think COVID accelerated everything by, you know, five times in, in some articles, it says. But in terms of where it started, I would argue that it started really with the mobile phone, right? So pre-smartphone, you know, we had something called a feature phone. You know, the Nokia phones were quite dominant prior to us having smartphones. They realized that in a lot of emerging markets, um, we're looking for ways to be more innovative from a payments perspective. There was a necessity to actually figure out ways to, to make payments that are not necessarily tied to a traditional banking system. Uh, and so in emerging markets like, you know, Kenya with their, their form of M-Pesa came up with ways to use what they call a USSD code to send payments by typing it in the small little feature phone. And then, you know, that kind of started the proliferation of digital payments in, in a nutshell. You know, we saw it evolving into different form factors with smartphones, you know, kind of, kind of emerging through Apple Pay, Google Pay, and Samsung Pay, of course, as well. But a lot of markets have been doing a lot of of these non-traditional payments for for some time now. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because I think in the U.S. we have felt that. We have felt the slow progress in payments uh, and and knowing that other places had a very vastly different experience. And, you know, it is interesting, though, to me, because I think as consumers, we always wanted this kind of ease. um, But it does make sense that COVID was that forcing function, at least here in the U.S., yeah, no, it, it definitely was. Um, it definitely, we we had no choice, right? So you know, there's a time we were we were home, um, you know, trying to figure out whether we could touch anything. So you know, things like contactless payments were kind of not forced on us, but they were kind of a necessity. 
And also the mobile payments aspect, that really does make sense. So having your computer essentially in your hands, was that enabler to make digital payments, I guess, more universal? I would say it I would say it was the genesis of you know realizing that there's different ways to pay and there's different ecosystems in terms of how people pay and different relationships with banks and financial institutions right um, and so I think that that's pretty much it was more the genesis of, of, of just different form factors coming to play um, and then obviously now it's become more universal but um, you know we weren't paying um, phone to phone you know 15 20 years ago but, you know, I would argue certain countries in Africa and Asia were doing that in some form of way, you know. So I think it, it, it's now universal, but mobile payments was the genesis of, 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 I would argue, digital payments coming to play. So what are some top use cases right now? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple interesting uh, use cases at the moment because we're in an interesting time with payments. You know, I think we've realized that there's so much more we can do. I would, I would say uh, AI, ML, so artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, are, are a top uh, emerging theme from a use case perspective. We're seeing a lot of that with you know, credit decisioning um, coming out to play by using sophisticated ways to, to leverage ML, ML and AI in the back end um, with, with the sophisticated data. Uh, we're also seeing a lot of, uh, you know, payments coming up from the emerging payments world. So anything to do with, you know, contactless, QR, um, different form factors coming to play, um, not only in the U.S., but globally. Um, and also the whole notion of embedded finance, embedded payments, right? So having a payment application embedded into um, any kind of application that you have that initially probably did not have a financial um, financial use, in, in, you know, to start with, but now is embedding a lot of that with them, um, with with anything from from loan providing with the NPL. So we're seeing a lot of of, of, of different forms of embedded um, payments as well. Um, but I would argue that AI and ML is is probably on the top um, because a lot of payment providers are increasingly investing in it because they're seeing that it's very cost effective and easy to use. It promotes innovation, easy to also scale with it um, using different infrastructure, obviously with cloud behind it as well. And we're seeing a lot of payment companies innovate uh, across credit extension, authentication, customer engagement, and fraud prevention with AI and ML on the back end. Um, you know, they're using a lot of machine learning tools to personalize the next best offer. And I think this is, you know, we're just scratching the surface within AI and ML and I I do think that we're probably going to grow and see a lot more happening in the space. And then the other one that I think is right after AI and ML that's quite interesting, and I think it's increasing primarily in the U.S., but obviously globally as well, is uh, the emerging payments, focusing primarily on contactless, um, remote and faster payments. It is also very key for a lot of consumers. Uh, You know, we're seeing that a lot of payment providers are focusing more on how they engage their end consumers and meet their consumers' expectations. Um, this is including, you know, like I mentioned before, frictionless payments experiences with instant Q, instant uh, instantaneous ways to pay, such as QR codes or voice commerce or sidestepping the physical handovers of a card uh, from cards to cash or back and forth. And then, you know, lastly, another, you know, another uh, increasingly interesting area um, is alternative payment methods such as central bank digital currency, so CBDCs and crypto. Crypto um, and the new pay- payment form factors are becoming a little bit more um, of an interest uh, in this space. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see um, what comes to fruition in the next couple of years, because a lot of this is emerging in real time, specifically with crypto and, and CBDC. 
Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that a is lot, a lot to lot. cover. Yeah. So, I mean, I heard from you AIML, and obviously those use cases are so broad, but particularly you're talking about next best offers. So that is an interesting one to me because it helps, I think, not only the banks, but it helps consumers as well, right? It's giving them a personalized offering um, based on, you know, their already, their usage. And so I think that's interesting. And then you said fraud protection. Obviously, I'm sure that's a huge need. And then embedded payments, as we're seeing now, buy now, pay later. And I'm seeing that so many places now. I think I think as consumers, we're seeing that and enjoying it <laughs> um, in many different avenues. And then you were also talking about crypto. Um, so, I mean, those are just, that is a very broad um, and exciting kind of time. Yeah. Yeah. The easiest way to, to bucket it into, to make it, to simplify the different use cases, AIML, like we mentioned earlier with the fraud protection kind of underneath that umbrella and the different ways to personalize next best offers. That's under one umbrella, which is AIML. And then the others that I mentioned around, you know, crypto, CBDC, contactless, and QR, those are under the emerging uh, payments umbrella. So if you look at it in those two ways, in those two use cases or buckets is what I call them, it, it simplifies that there's just two particular areas that are, are really strategic at the moment in payments. So those are the two things that people should be paying attention to if you're in that space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are there uh, customer examples that can help others learn best practices? Yeah. So I think because we just finished talking about emerging payments, a really good example or use case that we recently had was with Venmo. Venmo needed to, to respond to the demand for contactless payments during COVID. And they wanted to figure out a way to develop contactless solutions for their customers. So what they essentially did is they developed and released a solution in six weeks, leveraging Amazon Aurora, which is a, it's a service that we have here at AWS. And it pretty much helped enable direct deposits for stimulus checks, the ability to pay for businesses online, but also in-store uh, in store payments with QR codes, which is something that's very new in the U.S. and very new for Venmo to have. And this way, they were able to make those payments at the, at the point of sale with the QR code attached to it. And this was done really quickly, living, leveraging a lot of our services and, and trying to figure out ways to, to adapt to the needs of the customer through contactless. With AWS, Venmo was able to scale and, you know, and reach about 17 million customers and unlock performance efficiencies. They were able to also process different payments functionalities uh, and reached about a hundred hundreds per second query responses and they stayed under a millisecond and CPU utilization was also reduced during this whole system. So I, I like this example because it's so relevant. It's something that happened very recently based on a current situation that was going on in our ecosystem. You know, they were able to pivot really quickly uh, with a solution to target the consumer's needs, but also kind of be up to speed with the times of what's going on with payments. I mean, I think that's honestly inspiring to see and understand your customer, to find that need and the use case and to identify that, which is, you know, in and of itself very difficult. And then to have a solution in six weeks and then impact 17 million customers. I mean, that's kind of like that blows my mind. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, we blew our mind too. I think we were so happy to be part of that and and kind of validates not to sound cliche, but the value of you know cloud, but also it also validates the ability for companies to pivot in, in this time. 
Yeah. And then another one that I think that comes to mind just to kind of, you know, um, pair it with the, with the other theme of AI and ML is, is a company called Ayala. They are based out of Nigeria. I thought this was a really cool story. Um, Ayala pretty much created instant loans to individuals with verifiable source of income in emerging markets. So using biometrics and, and employer information and mobile phone data, they were using that to actually aggregate information to verify for loans. They used something called Amazon recognition, which is essentially um, a way for them to identify verifications on the mobile applications. And they use a face, it's a face recognition platform. So with, with uh, Amazon recognition, they were able to significantly reduce a lot of the errors and were able to scale quite quickly. This is a market that typically doesn't have traditional databases or traditional technology to provide validation for loans. But you know, they were able to use AI and ML and obviously recognition in the our, our back end to pretty much validate some of the people living in the rural areas for loan applications. And they were able to do that. And the business now detects and verifies individual identities in real time without any human intervention, um, allowing them to have more secure and faster access to products. I just think this is a, a testimony to show how technology can just can change certain, certain propositions, uh, no matter which market they're in. That is incredible too. I mean, that is, people are really doing some incredible things out there. So in emerging markets where somebody lives in a rural area, if they have internet connection or a cell phone, they can now apply for a loan. The banks can understand very quickly and authenticate who they are, and they can get access to cash much more quickly uh, just by using their phone. That's incredible. I'm sure the process before was so arduous, potentially even traveling, traveling with the right documents, et cetera, et cetera. This just seems like such a game changer. It really is. It really is. And and I think it's just the start of many um, other markets, uh, neighboring markets in West Africa um, to emulate something similar. Wow. These are incredible stories. Uh, thanks so much for sharing them. Are there best practices for prioritizing which use cases to implement? Yeah. I mean, it really, that's a broad question, but it really depends on the product construct and what the fintech is offering, right? I would suggest that the customer starts backwards from the problem or whatever the gap is that they're you know, trying to solve for, for their customers and then identify you know, what use cases make sense for them to implement. You don't want to offer a product or solution based on a trend or based on, on what you're seeing around the market. You want to you know, solve the customer's problem and, and, and solving the customer's problem should be your DNA at the core. Um, this way you can start prioritizing you know, what you want to be able to, to provide um, to the customer from a prioritization perspective. So my recommendation would be start with customer feedback before you try to prioritize a use case on your solution, right? Because customer feedback is oxygen for, for any, any fintech or any startup. And then that will help guide you in terms of what you want to add to your use case or what you want to prioritize from your use case. And so let's say that very difficult process has been completed. What are some tangible ways AWS can help fintechs who want new capabilities? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways, right? So, um, you know, if you're already on AWS, you can just you can identify your account manager to explore the various services we do offer. And then if you're not in AWS, you can also reach out to AWS directly to see the different solutions and programs that we have from a fintech and startup perspective. We have a very um, niche package services and solutions targeted to fintechs and startups um, who are looking to start to scale um, or who are looking to build or, or start their pro their their 
their product or, or program from scratch. We have so you know uh, uh, programs such as AWS Activate, um, AWS Marketplace, our AWS Partner Network to help you um, identify different partners to help you scale. And uh, we also have something called AWS Data Exchange. Um, you know the programs I mentioned are all listed in detail on our website, which is uh, www.aws.amazon.com/startups/fintech. And you can feel free to reach out to us directly from that site. And we will add that link on to the show notes. Sakai, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me.